with over 41% of children being born out of wedlock, with massive divorce rates, with people leaving the churches like never before, who is teaching our younger men about what it means to be masculine? Hey, join me today as I interview Chris Harper, AKA Harp, the CEO of Better Man, as we unpack four truths, four pillars of masculinity that'll help these young men grow into the men that God has called them to be. You will leave this episode highly encouraged of the state of masculinity today and where God is taking the church. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, sponsored by Mountain Tough Fitness Lab, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com, that's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H, and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host and guide leading you to your best version in the stress bubble of life and beyond. Welcome to Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. This week, we have a great hero story for you guys today. This is number 182 of our daily quest to gather stories of life transformation. So either transformation that you've witnessed in your own heart or you've witnessed in some man that you care deeply about. This is a response to a, a video that I produced encouraging hardworking blue-collar guys to come home after work and engage their families. You know, I get a lot of pushback from guys saying they don't have time because of their jobs to engage with their families either before the kids go to school or after they get home from work. This came from a man and he responded this way. Thank you, uh, Andrew, for your response on YouTube who said, you are 100% correct. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try harder with the time I have left. Thank you. I needed to hear this. Guys, listen, 
Your, your job is your family and your marriage. Your job is not your job. Andrew, hit us up at meninarena.org with your physical address. We can send you some swag just to say thank you. Stay tuned to the end of this podcast as we unpack yet another man law that comes out of my free resource for you called Man Laws, 101 Ways to Get Your Man Card Revoked and Rules to Live By. Hey guys, I'm excited today to bring my friend on our podcast, Chris Harper. I will be calling him Harp from this point on because that is what he prefers. So uh, Harp lives in Arlington, Texas. Uh, he's been married for 15 years to his beautiful wife, Allison. Uh, he is passionate about biblical manhood, often speaks on topics such as man's identity in Christ and the importance of being a gospel-centered husband and father, which I love. Chris is a, a nationally known speaker, writer, disciple maker, serving as CEO of Better Man. You may have heard of this organization. He, uh, They are equipping more than a thousand churches and a hundred thousand men and unleashing biblical masculinity across the globe. Uh, Harp desires to see generations of men grasp who they are in Christ and come alive. Most of all, Chris and his wife, Allie, live with their four children in Arlington, Texas. In addition to that, Chris loves, I don't know, man, 90s hip hop. Okay, okay, a good cheeseburger, praise the Lord, put some bacon and avocado on that, and firmly believes that Jordan is better than LeBron. Doesn't everybody? Come on. <laughs> anyway, I won't get into it, just in so many different areas. So, hey, Harp, it's great to have you on the show, man. Man, it's a pleasure to be here, Jim. So, so grateful, honored to be with you, and looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to you just telling us what's going on, man. I, there are so many questions I have you know, Robert Lewis is actually a hero of mine, and uh, a lot of the things that we do flow out of some of his teaching from the early 10, uh, 2000s, so, uh, and he, Robert's been on our podcast, he's a hero, and uh, just knowing that you're associated with that organization is, and the president of it, now CEO, is, I'm just so excited. Congratulations on that, man. What a great journey you're on. Man, it is, it is spectacular, and um, I am no one. And I am nothing, and I fully recognize I am standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, giants like Robert Lewis, men like Steve Farrar, um, the 70-year-old retired pipe fitter that discipled me when I became a new believer, Don Westfall. Uh, men like that, faithful men. And I'm going to tell you right now, Robert Lewis is the real deal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's the real deal, and he's been such an encouragement in my life. Gosh, that's so cool. But you know what? You're, you're a humble guy, but you know, you weren't always humble, right? No. I mean, why don't, you, why don't you take us back and uh, share with us about your journey to humility? Because I th just yeah. in a few minutes offline, I thought, man, this is a great, what a great story. Why don't you go ahead and tell us how, how you had to navigate the giftedness that God had given you and, and transition into this man of humility? Because that sounds like that was quite a journey. Yeah, absolutely, man. I It took me a while to understand the difference between natural and spiritual gifts, right? Um, natural gifts are those gifts that God gives you. Um, they're typically strengths-based gifts. You can operate in them naturally, whereas a spiritual gift is something that really the Holy Spirit has to enact, like you need the power of the Spirit. And and what I came to realize is, is if, if all we do is lean into the natural giftings, then ultimately we're going to rob the cross of its power because it's in our weakness that the real power and strength of Christ is made known. And my entire ministry, um, 
up until about 10 years ago, my entire ministry, man, I just operated in those natural gifts. So uh, the first church I ever pastored was a mega church, you know, a church of 6,000 people operating in my natural gifts. I wasn't a student of the Bible. I didn't have good doctrine. Um, I wasn't praying and leading my wife well. And then I planted a church. Um, and it was one of the, the the fastest growing churches in the country. Same thing, man. We were creative. Um, we were intelligent. Um, we could we could gather a crowd. We could be winsome. We had phenomenal worship. But the reality is, when I look back on those days, man, we were not men of the word. Like we were not men of deep prayer. We were we were never having to lean into that spirit. Um, we were a functionally operating a church and operating in ministry without the power of the spirit, without the Holy Spirit. And, and it wasn't until uh, I read a book, The Way of the Dragon and the Way of the Lamb, and it's kind of like a theology of power in the church, that I came to realize, man, and I can do nothing apart from Christ, like nothing apart from Christ. And, and the spiritual arrogance that I had, the um, desire to please man, uh, the constant want for affirmation, about 10 years ago, I looked at my bride and I said, man, I'm not fit to be a pastor. I'm not, I don't even know if I'm called to be a pastor. So, so I walked away from pastoriate ministry for 10 years and, and just went on this journey. I got to do some amazing things. I, I got to be a church consultant and I got to get into the fundraising space. I spent years raising money for ministries and nonprofits. And um, I got to serve for a period as the president of a Christian college prep school. And um, I got to really drill down academically. I was blessed. I got to go to DTS and I got to do a doctorate at Southwestern. And, and the Lord just, just showered me with these blessings. And it was really that 10 year, that 10 year process where at the end of that, about two years ago, I looked at my wife and I said, hey, uh, the Lord has humbled me. The Lord has shown me that um, whatever good is in me is his and it's from him and it's for him and and that I'm nothing apart from Christ. And I said, I think I'm ready to shepherd and, and to lead people, which was which was awesome because that's what led me to better man. Man, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, God saved you. I mean, I know he saved your soul, but he saved you as a as a man. And, and oh, how Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I just did. Um, I did Moody radio about four months ago and, and the guy asked me, he said, Hey, he said, what, what do you see wrong in the church today? And, and I'm a churchman. Me too. I believe the local church is the vehicle God's ordained to win the world. Agree. A hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. So I'm not critical of the church. I just think critically about the church. Absolutely. Right. So he and, and and so I had to preface with this because I knew it was going to get me into trouble. So I said, hey, this is not a better man opinion. This is a Chris Harper opinion. And I said, one of the biggest problems I see in the church today with pastors, especially young pastors. Is that they preach, teach and lead in such a way that they're looking to get the affirmation from their congregation that they never got from their fathers. Yeah, that's true which leads to a whole host of problems. We have so many people out there that are pleasing man and not fearing God. We have so many people out there that are lacking integrity. We have so many people out there that are lacking conviction and courage and boldness um, because, because they're starved of affection and they're starved of affirmation and confirmation that they largely did not get uh, from the environments they, they grew up in. You know, it's really interesting. I heard a, a guy. I do you know. I don't know if you know Dwayne Pickett, but he's a church leader in Mississippi. 
I heard him speak uh, several years ago, and he said, sometimes your charisma can take you further than your character can keep you. And man, that's, that ruined me. I, that concerned me deeply because I thought, man, if if God chose to bless my ministry beyond my charisma, my character would cause my mission to crumble and embarrass the people I love the most. Oh, bro. And that, that was heavy for me, right? Is that, that sounds like what you discovered. Absolutely. And, and I'll take it a step further, especially when I'm thinking about leadership. I had a guy challenge me one time and say, Chris, would you, would you rather be charismatic or would you rather have clarity? Mm. So one of the things I, I I strive for now is I've always been a gifted, charismatic, winsome person. Yeah. Right. But um, I've never been the most concise person. Oh. Um. Um. You know, it's it, it it's like my old preaching professor said in seminary. Right. If you have a if you have a weak point, just bang the pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I did a lot of pulpit banging, bro. Like a lot of pulpit banging. That sounds like my parenting at some point years ago. <laughs> so, so, so now, and and this has been instrumental for Better Man. So now we lean less on our charisma and we lean more on clarity and mm. conciseness, which is which has been a game changer for us. That's so cool. You know, it's really interesting, Harp. You know, uh, I've I've realized that. I mean, the church is God's vehicle that he's using. People can, a lot of our listeners don't attend church, and I'm constantly going back and forth, that they need to be in a fellowship, a Christian community. You can call it what you don't. If you don't want to use the C word, don't use it. But you need to be in Christian community, period. But the thing that you and I have discovered, and the thing that a lot of people have discovered, is that although the church is the vehicle that God uses, you don't need the Holy Spirit to grow a organizational franchise that meets on Sunday mornings. Nah. <clears throat> and that's where we get into problems. And I think, do you think that's why that we see such a high transition of people out of ministry these days is because they're doing it for the wrong reasons? I mean, what is your thought there? I think, I think that's one of the reasons um, we're seeing such a high transition because at the end of the day, they, they're tired of being hypocrites, right? Um, uh, because when you get, I remember being at that church and slowly discovering, it was through a guy named Carl Halverson, beginning to discover what, what real shepherding is supposed to be. Like, like beginning to sc- discover what it meant to actually care for someone's soul. And then I'm looking around and thinking, I don't, I don't even know if I like people. Like, like, like much less care for their soul. Right. And, 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 and it was, it wasn't until I started seeing godly examples, like it wasn't until I started meeting like real shepherds and, and, and brother, can I tell you what the common denominator was? These men weren't famous. They were faithful. Bro, they were faithful. They weren't famous. And, and when I started meeting these faithful men, that's when I started realizing, wait a minute, I don't want to be faithful. I want to be famous. And like the church is no place for me if my end goal is fame. Like my end goal should be faithfulness. And I just wasn't there. That's why I left. 
And I, and I vowed I'm not going to come back until my end goal is faithfulness. You know, that's so interesting. When I was about a 28-year-old man, so I've been in full-time ministry since 1990. And what I realized, <clears throat> as I looked at the church I was working at, I thought, it's really interesting. The most passionate people about Jesus are the laymen. And, and, and I think it's because, you know, I was paid to be a professional Christian, right? If I don't preach, read my Bible, give, and go to worship and attend a small group, I'm fired. And so these, but these other men did it out of their love for Jesus. And so that really impacted me deeply. And I thought, I always want to be a man who loves Jesus and seeks Jesus before ministry. Yeah. And that really has been a game changer. And so... Man, that is just a powerful, powerful statement. So, so you're the CEO uh, through a series of miracles. Uh, you're the CEO of Better Man. I mean, you know, I mean, think about it. You were out, yeah. and now you're in. And so, I'm God in. has. So, it seems like God put you into about a ten year period of obscurity. Yeah. And now He said, "Okay, you're you've done your ten years of obscurity. Moses did forty. So, feel good about yourself." <laughs> 100. I did. Tw- I feel like my years of youth ministry, although I loved it, I felt like that was a two and a half decades of obscurity. And so, and so God goes, okay, yeah, you're faithful with this, so I'm going to give you this thing. So now you're the CEO of Better Man. Uh, can you give us a brief, because Better Man has a history, uh, a wonderful history, and there's been some changes of, of some uh, curriculum names and different things. Can you kind of walk us through the morphology of Better Man, just so our guys yeah. can go, oh, that's those guys. Because I yeah. think when guys hear, they hear 33, they go, oh, that's that. Or they hear this other phrase, well, that's that. Can you give us a morphology of Better Man? Absolutely. Well, it's it's all kind of us. So what started, um, what started as a need, as a necessity in the late 90s, uh, Robert Lewis created Men's Fraternity. And, and men's fraternity was just, uh, I mean, it was an absolute game changer uh, when it came to to rallying men around God's good design for manhood and masculinity. You know, it was 24 weeks. It was a DVD series. It was cutting edge, bro. Like, it, 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 it was it. So so you have this men's fraternity, right? And it, it, it has a strong run through that. Robert writes How to Raise a Modern Day Knight, which is a phenomenal book. Still a bestseller today. It's amazing. Um, around, I think it's 2010, 2012, you see it kind of morph into Authentic Manhood, which is the 33 series that a lot of people used. And then from that in 2018, what we did was we basically scrubbed everything in 2018. We rewrote and we redesigned to reach millennials, Gen Z, and Gen Alpha. So we know millennials, one of the largest generations ever, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, you know, the rise of the nuns. um, It's the greatest migration away from the church that we've ever seen since the Civil War when they migrated back. Um, So we are going hard. Better Man goes hard after millennial men, Gen Z men, and Gen Alpha men. And this is interesting. This is where Robert and I um, are, are are from two different times, okay? And, and Robert and I have talked extensively about this. When you think about those 1990s, early 2000 ministries, um, Man in the Mirror, Point Man, Promise Keepers, right? The enemy was passivity, so you had a generation of men who knew what they should be doing. They weren't doing it. We got to call them up, call them out, call them up. Today, that's not the enemy. 
we have transcended beyond passivity and we are in all out ignorance. We have a generation of men who have grown up and they have no idea what it means to be a man. Not only did they not have spiritual fathers, 41% of them didn't even have physical fathers. Yeah. And they're literally sitting there saying, what does it mean to be a man? So, so where Robert and Steve and Pat were fighting passivity, Chris and crew we're fighting ignorance today, bro. That's us. That's and what we're doing too. That's it, dude. Like that's the, that's the enemy. I, I, I tell people all the time. It's like this in the 1970s. It was, I don't need a man in the 1990s. It became, I don't want a man. And in 2023, it's what is a man. That's where we've came in 50 years. That, you know, that's so interesting because our entire, all of the energy we are moving forward with is to help men understand what a man actually is because our society in a lot of ways is saying the way to be a man is to be a woman. I mean, we're honestly, these poor guys, they talk like women, uh, they act like women. They just, and it's not because they're women or they're, you know, uh, homosexuals or anything. They're just, they just don't know what it means to be a man. No. And they need us to teach them. Yeah. So, so when a man doesn't have a path, right, he'll do one of two things. So, um, He'll become uninitiated, which he's just slow quitting his manhood. And and you see these guys all the time. They're typically walking about six feet behind their wives with their head down. They don't think for themselves. They don't speak for themselves, right? So they'll become uninitiated or they'll go the other way and they'll become self-initiated, which is the Andrew Tates, right? If you don't have a cigar and if you're not sleeping with four chicks and driving a sports car, then you're not a man. Yeah. So, so these men are literally, we call it a masculinity fog. They're literally bouncing between this uninitiated and self-initiated and breaking everything in their path. Yeah. It's like a pendulum, right? They're sure. swinging. It's like you have the people that follow like the, you know, the hardcore, you know, like the Goggins guys and yeah. all, way over here, you know, the, every Navy SEAL now has a huge following type of thing. Yeah. And then you've got the whole other side over here, which is the skinny jeans and the, all this, you got these two di- completely opposing forces, but you and I both know the truth is usually found somewhere in the middle. That's it. Man. Right. You and can, it's, fa- it's found in a man named Jesus. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. it's just, it's really interesting to me. And I, I love what you said, Harp, that, and I've never heard anybody say this to me. And I've been thinking about this because everything I do, every reel, we put out seven videos a week, everything we do is just helping a, a man to understand what a man is. And I never even thought about how ignorant some of these poor guys are. They just, the poor guys just, they just need somebody to tell them. And it has to be somebody who is dependent on the ultimate alpha male. And we know Jesus said, I'm the alpha and the omega. And so for us, it's not about look, following Harp, following Ramos. It's about follow me as I follow Jesus. That's it, man. We don't have to. So I drive a, I drive a 1967 Ford Fairlane. I don't even know okay. what that is. <laughs> it's old. What it's is old that? <laughs> it's old as dirt, man. It's a it's a 1967 Ford Fairlane. Hey, and you'll survive. Even, you'll survive an EMP, bro. Hey, that's, that's EMP proof, baby. <laughs> so so my my ten year old gets into the car one day and he's like, Dad, where do we where do we hook up the Bluetooth? And I said I said, bro. I said, there's no Bluetooth in here. Matter of fact, it's just AM radio. It's 
just AM yeah, radio. Yeah, what's this thing in the middle? That's called a yeah. stick shift. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he said, and, and he says, he says, we've got to, he said, well, dad, you got to fix that. Like you got to put Bluetooth in it. And I, and I looked at him, I said, son, you don't take a classic car and make something new. You take a classic car and restore it back to what it was. That's what we're doing with manhood. We're not, we're not reinventing manhood. We're not redesigning manhood. We are reclaiming manhood by taking it back to God's good design, ultimately the design of King Jesus. Another way to say this is Ephesians 2.10. It says that we are God's handiwork or, or craftsmanship, depending on your yes. translation. The Greek word there is poema. So it literally says... Oh. It's, it's where we get our English word from poem. Yes. So, so Ramos, I want you to think about this, bro. This is, this, this is wild. The Bible literally says we are God's masterpiece. Yep. Now, now, if you find, if you go to your great grandfather's house and you find a Rembrandt in the attic, if you take that Rembrandt and make it something new, you've just destroyed a $40 million painting. What you do is you take that Rembrandt and you take it to somebody that can do some restoration work and restore it back to what it was. So it's worth $40 million. Bro, we are telling men, listen, you are priceless. Sin ruined. Sin ruined the masterpiece, right? We get it. We are going through this art restoration process, man, where God, by the power of his spirit, is taking us back to what he had for us. And it is priceless. It's priceless. And to get men to come on that journey with you, bro, there's no greater, there's no greater pleasure in the world, in my opinion. So, so I've Harp, I got a question for you, man. So so you said in the 90s, I think you said the 90s, 2000s, it was rejecting passivity, and now it's ignorance. So, yeah, you know, so Robert's the first man I ever heard who actually defined manhood. He, he, he defined it as, now if I mess this up, tell me, I'm going off of memory, rejecting passivity, accepting yep. responsibility, leading courageously, and expecting a greater reward. Is that close? That's it. Okay. That's it. So, so now, so based on his definition, which I love... I actually yep. have that engraved on a knife from about 20 years ago. Yep. So so based on that, are you are you taking and wordsmithing the word ignorance into the equation or is that an overarching uh, theme to beat beat down the wall of ignorance? Yep, so we took that and and again, remember we scrubbed it and rewrote everything. So so we have the new um, it's four pillars, we call them four W's. So this is how we beat this is how we beat ignorance by by defining what a real man is. So we believe, and this is all based on scripture, we believe a real man courageously follows God's word. A real man loves, serves, and protects God's woman. A real man excels at the work God has given him. And a real man betters God's world through his children, his church, and his community. Word, woman, work, and world. And those four W's, they're super sticky. Um, I've got men literally tattooing them um, um, I'm on their bodies. It's crazy when I get when I get a, a an email about about a uh, can you send us the logo for a tattoo? Um, uh, but it's it, it's so sticky. And what it does is what we learned is that if if men don't know how to win, they won't play. That's that's one of the ways men and women it's true. are different. It's true. A man will just check that's out and go to his garage. He's that's done. it. So that's it. Like, like, like women don't necessarily need a reason to gather. Like they'll just get together. Right. Like, like for men, like if there's not a reason, if there's not a purpose, if there's not, how do I win at this? They don't play. 
So what Betterman's been able to do is we create this scorecard with the four W's. We'll show you how to win as a man. Courageously follow his word. Love his woman. Excel at the work you have. Better your world through your children, your church, your community. Like men are looking at that and they're saying, they're saying, bro, I can do that. Like I can win at that. And they take that scorecard and they get into the game and it's transformative. I love that. So God's work, God's woman, God's word, God's world. That's it. Yeah, because we believe here at Men in the Arena, when a man gets it, everyone wins. And we believe a man can change. We don't believe a, we. I don't believe a man can change the world, but I believe a man can change his world. Come on, he can change his world. Okay, so I'm tracking. I've got the morphology of better man. Thank you for explaining that because I got lost in the weeds between manhood, fraternity, authentic man. I'm like, man, you guys, come on, help me out, help me understand. So okay, so you take these four pillars: God's work, God's word, God's woman, and God's world. And how are you? And you've created a scorecard. So now what what method or conduit are you using for men to win? You know, are yes, you using so what, what are you using a video curriculum? Are you I mean, what are you guys doing now? Yeah, so good. So we have um, so think about this, brother. Three hundred and sixty thousand plus churches in the West. Okay. Eighty percent have a functioning women's ministry, while less than seven percent have a functioning men's ministry. And when I say functioning, it's something more than a quarterly breakfast where an F and where an ex NFL player comes to talk about faith and football, right? Nothing wrong with that. I love me some ex NFL players, nothing wrong with it, but I'm talking about that next step, right? So what better man does, the vehicle is largely the local church. So we can go to any church in America and we can go to any church in South America. We have everything in Spanish as well. And we can say, Hey, we have a two year plug and play men's ministry. We can give you two years worth of video content, biblically accurate, theologically rich, practical curriculum, resources, more resources than you know what to do with. We can give this to you. And for two years, you will have a functioning, operating men's ministry for your church. And it basically gives them a two-year head start to then get their act together so that they can start bringing their men into deeper water and discipling their men. Since we've been able to offer that, we have serviced over 3,100 churches in America. Now, a lot of people, like I share that stat and they're like, wow, better man's killing it, right? 3,100. And, and yes, that probably makes us one of, if not the largest men's ministry in the country. But remember what I said, 360,000 churches, bro. We haven't even scratched the surface. So, so what we're seeing as we give the curriculum and give the content away to the church, men go through it. And then because it's a free tool, we don't charge for it. You literally download the videos, you download the curriculum. Because it's a free tool, those men then take it to their affinities outside the church. So we're on college campuses across the country. We're in prisons all across the country. We've got NFL teams going through Better Man. We've got, um, I just had a dude finish a Better Man in Mississippi. He's a captain in the Army. He finished Better Man. Three weeks later, he got deployed to Egypt. A couple of months after that, he sends me a picture of him on the military base in Egypt taking men through Better Man in Egypt. Wow, that's it was awesome. awesome. It was awesome. 
right? So, so what we do is we, we give this content, we give this curriculum again, it's all online. You download it. Um, we give it away. The churches use it to activate and kickstart a men's ministry. They give men God's good design and then, and then the men run with it and, and we're seeing it all over. So is better man than a donor supported ministry? hundred percent. So that's why, okay. So we do something similar with, uh, with uh, some groups that uh, active military law enforcement, stuff like this. So what's the point of content contact? So, you know, you've got it in 31 churches. Did you reach out to these leaders of churches, pastors? What's your point of contact? Yeah, so what we did is we went after denominational leaders. So Better Man, uh, we call it the dealership model. You know, Ford Motor Company has never sold a car to an individual, but they sell a lot of cars to dealers who sell to individuals. Yes. To think of another way, just think about the drug game in the 70s and 80s. We're trying to put dealers on every corner, right? So so we, so we go... So, so, so we go high level. We go after denominations. I just got back. I just spent the weekend with the Georgia Baptist convention leadership, right? They're looking 2024. Their focus is going to be men and they're looking and their churches don't know what to do with their men. I mean, I hear it, bro. I just, cause I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I've had some of the most prominent leaders in our country. Look at us and say, Chris, help us. We don't know what to do with our men. Right. So we go to these denominations and we say, hey, listen, we've got a tool for every church in your denomination. And what we're seeing is we're seeing large scale adoption. Also, what what we've what we found, and, and I know this is true, being an ex megachurch guy, you know, we used to always joke that that when Southeast sneezed, all the other churches caught a cold. Right. So, so what we've been able to do is pinpoint certain churches in certain cities. I'll give you an example. Long Hollow Church in Nashville, Robbie Gallaty, great dude, man's man, leading a phenomenal church. Um, Long Hollow adopts Better Man as their men's curriculum, and then all of a sudden our phones start ringing off the hook from all these churches in Nashville. So we've got a little bit of a grass fire strategy going right now where we're identifying these players in these cities. And then as they adopt, everyone else starts to adopt. So between denominations, between um, major players in the space, um, between we do a lot of, of pastor and church conferences where Better Man is sponsoring and hosting and things of that nature. That's where we've seen in the last 18 months, I don't want to exaggerate this. In the last 18 months, we've seen about 4,000 groups launch across the country, and we've probably had somewhere close to 300,000 men go through Better Man. Gosh, that's so awesome. So you're using the curriculum from before. You're just not charging. We're not charging. We rewrote. We rewrote. Robert rewrote the first 10 weeks. And then over the last two years, uh, my team and I, rewrote the last 20 weeks. So altogether we have 30 weeks of material. Um and 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 that's kind of our that's our shtick, right? We can show up at your church, knock on the door, and and 30 weeks on a church calendar is two years. So we can walk up and hand you this and say, hey, you don't have a men's ministry. You know it's a problem. Like like we don't have to tell you you're not winning with the men. You know, I just so so I'm with the leadership of the Georgia Baptist Convention and 
And Ramos, sometimes I get myself into trouble, bro. And and I was finishing up, and I wasn't going to say it, but I had to say it. I said, listen, I said, 30 years ago, we Baptists, and I'm Baptist, we Baptists spent tens of millions of dollars on something called a bus ministry, where every Wednesday night, school buses would show up, pick kids up, and take them to Wednesday night church. I said, every Wednesday night, little Chris would be standing in front of his house waiting for that bus to get there. And I would get on that bus. And as that bus pulled away, I would look out the window and my dad would be sitting in the garage drinking beer every Wednesday night. I told them, brother, I've come to realize that the whole time we were going after the wrong guy. We should have been going after that guy in the garage drinking beer. And and I'm I'm done. I'm done with churches being known for their children's ministry. Yeah, I agree 100%. I'm done with churches being known for what they do for women. I am waiting for a movement of churches that are known for winning the men. You show me that, and I will show you something that will change, literally will change cities and change the world. And that's what I challenged every church in the Georgia Baptist Convention. I said, when I come back in four years, I want a handful of churches that are known. When you say their name, people in the community go, oh, that's the church for the men. That's the church that wins the men. Because until we do that, we can keep spending millions of dollars on, on VBS and children's centers and women's Bible studies. Nothing's going to change until we win the men. Well, you know, it's interesting, and I don't want to throw any groups under the bus, but you and I have already been talking about this. You know, a model that really works to grow a church is a model that focuses on children and teenagers. If you focus on those people, you're, it really will help you grow a larger church. The problem is, in the Bible, when God tries to grow a church, he actually starts with men. Over and over and over and over again, God starts with men. That man was saved in his household. That man was saved in his household. Jesus started with men. You know, Jesus was a man. Moses was a man. Joshua was a man. Adam was a man. Over and over again, whenever God starts to do a great kingdom work, he starts with a man. And what I don't, it almost is like Satan has pulled the blinders over our leaders to where they're not seeing the the biblical truth of how God builds a movement for his kingdom. That's it. And we're taking the path of least resistance. We're taking the path of least resistance. Yes, for I sure. Personally for sure. We're, we're going after the children and we're going after the women because it's easier. It's Agreed. easier. Agreed. Right? But when you win one child, you win a child. When you win one man, you win five others who are following him in his world. And this 100%. is the key. So what would you, how would you argue? Because how would you argue the case that where people say that 80% of people come to Christ, come to Christ before 20? You know, how do we, how do we, you and I, because you and I are both arguing the same case. I'm saying you still reach the men. So what's your argument for the guy who says, well, I think you should reach women and children because 80% of people come to Christ, come to Christ before they're 20. Yeah. yeah. I would say, where are they? They're the, the generation of nuns, the nuns, hundred percent. They're, they're not, they're not there anymore. They're not there anymore because, because one of two things. And, and, and I know like, I know people don't like to hear this, but either they really didn't come to Christ Right. And and like Demas, um, they went the way of the world or like the parable of the soils, uh, the sun either scorched it out or the things of this world choked it up. But we know this. There wasn't 30, 60, 90 yield fruit. So either either 
all those statistics are wrong and they didn't really come to faith or two, they came to faith. And because they didn't see their father, they didn't see their mother, whomever actually living it out. They abandoned it, right? They abandoned it. So go ahead. No, 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 man. You're getting me fired up, Harp. Come on. That's it. You're getting me fired up. Come on now. I got got my Portuguese blood flowing. (laughs) Bro, I love that. Um, I think it's Jim Davis. He, I, I read the book last month. It's called The Great Dechurching. Hmm. So, um, so the last 20 years, we have seen almost 40 million people walk away from, from the church in the last 20 years. It's the greatest shift in the history of church. 20 million people. I'm sorry, almost 40 million people walk away in 20 years. And when they go and survey these people, and they're like, they're like, why'd you leave? Why are you leaving? Bro, that's the, that, those are the number one and two answers, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it is what it is. They, there's no authenticity to it, man. There's, it's not real. Mm-hmm. It's not real. You know, what's interesting though. So I, I got to tell you when COVID hit and all the civil unrest and all this crazy stuff was happening, I, I got really negative about, um, God's kingdom impact. I thought, man, we're just going down the tubes. Things are not going well. The church is getting its butt kicked. We're losing the war. And God, through a series of events, and those events continue to unfold, God is revealing to me, and I'm not a prophet. I'm 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 not I, I'm a hunter who reads signs. Come on. And I've just seen enough stuff going on where I'm realizing there's a revival coming. God is getting ready to do an outpouring. And, and I couldn't put a finger on it until the beginning of this podcast because you said something to me. We live in a day and age. Now, you talk me through this. Coach me up, man. Coach me up, Harp. We live in a day and age where we have more knowledge at our hands than we've ever had in the history of the world and less truth. Right. And the problem with an ignorant young man in this day of knowledge is he's seeking the truth we are in a post-postmodern world where people have realized, okay, I've rejected God and my life is crumbling, so I need to find my way back to truth. I've got a guy right now who's in my youth group. Uh, in fact, I do this podcast now because of his, his name is Nathan Cottrell. I do this podcast now because of Nathan. He's a 35-year-old guy. Uh, 15 years ago, he walked away from the church. He went on the spiritual journey of seeking truth. He actually came back. You're going to laugh at this. Full circle, and he's just got confirmed Catholic. He's this full-blown Catholic who's in love with the Lord. I mean, he's just so passionate about Jesus. And I'm like, I always knew you'd come back. Because in your ignorance, you pursued truth. And if you're going to seek truth, the Bible promises you're going to come to Jesus. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. So let me ask you this question. The ignorance of these young men growing up in the Gen Z, Gen Alpha, millennial generations, this ignorance that we see in them, do you have hope in that because it's producing a hunger for truth or do you look at it and go, man, our world's falling apart. Like what's your outlook? Yeah. So hope on hope. Um, I think it was Carl Henry that once said, we act as if Christianity is hereditary. It's not like the, I believe the next Billy Graham is probably drunk in a frat house right now. I would bet you, he is probably looking at porn right now. 
on that's his it. iPhone. Like, 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 that's right. Like, I mean, I like, hate to say it, and he's probably 16 years old. He's probably a high school sophomore. That's right. The next Mother Teresa is probably at an abortion clinic. Like, like God is always, he's always doing stuff like that. Christianity is not hereditary. God always keeps a remnant. And it's God messy. Always it's messy. It. Yes. And God always wins. He always gets his man. So, so I've got hope on hope that, that there is revival coming. Now, I believe it's going to be with men. I think that's where it's going to start. I Oh, I it's going to be men. I think it's going to be young men. Yes, it's going to be eighteen to twenty-three year old men. That's right, and 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 and, and whoa! So, so the Bible says that Satan is crafty. It doesn't say he's creative, and there's a difference. So, oh, so, whoa, whoa, whoa! Well, hold on, say that again. Yeah. So, so right there, right there in Genesis, it says that that yep. that he's. He's the, you know, he's the crafty, craftier than any of them, any other, right? He's crafty, not creative, not creative. Gosh, I never thought of only God's creative. That's it. So think about this. He's been telling, he's got one weapon. We know what it is. It's deception. He's the father of lies. He's been telling the same two lies since the beginning of time. The first lie is eat the fruit and you will be like God. The, the Hebrew there is you will be as Elohim. You'll be God. The first lie is eat this and you won't need God. You'll be God. The second lie is right after it. Naked, ashamed, they hid. That's the second lie. You're so bad. God could never love you. Every young man I've met today is living between those two lies. You're so good. You don't need God, which is what the world's telling them. You're so bad. God can never want you which is what this shame guilt culture is telling them. And they're literally living between these two lies, right? What we do to push against that. And I think this is where revival is going to come from. The only way to beat deception is with truth. And we're going to take truth and we're going to expose these two generational lies, right? We're going to expose them. Um, You know what? You're not so good that you don't need God. As a matter of fact, you're weak. And without any, without God, you could do nothing. And here's the other truth. You think you're bad and God can never love you. The truth is you're actually worse than you're willing to admit, but you're more loved than you could ever imagine. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and bro, when we see young men take hold of that, it's like the weight of the world comes off and they can run into the full inheritance that God has for them, bro. Man, isn't that Romans 5.8 come to fruition that God demonstrates his love for us in this? While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's it. Come man, on. Man, that is so good, bro. I, I am, man, I this is really encouraging to me. I, you know, listen, listen, we're... Uh, this has gone by way too fast, but I, I would you, I would be doing you a disservice, and I don't want to do that to you if I don't talk about this book. I, I got to tell you, this is awesome, dude. You're the you wrote a children's book. Uh, you wrote a children's book, and yeah. so th- you know we've been talking about men, but but doesn't raising up a godly man start when that little guy's a little guy? Bro, and so this Satan, book, Satan's going younger and younger, and so should we. What? So why'd you write this? It's called a good man. Why'd you write this? I wrote it because um, a lot of a lot of older men don't know how to impart that good biblical design to their children. So I thought, man, what if we took the four W's, word, work, woman, and world, 
and we made it to where a five-year-old could understand it. And so now we can have an entire country of men, an entire country of uncles and grandfathers that can grab their little sons, that can grab their grandchildren, set them on their lap and say, hey, let me tell you what it means to be a good man. That's so good, man. I, I have a bunch highlighted in here, and, I, and now I see the work, the word. Now I see it. Yeah. One of the yeah. first things you said, which I thought was really powerful, there's some, this is a children's book, but there's some, it's quite profound, honestly. You said, um, it's about a grandpa and his grandson, right? And I love the yeah. grandpa. He looks like me, man. He's a handsome, bald man. He said, uh, grand, grandson, there are two types of men, good men and men wanting to be good. So so that so let me ask this uh, harp is that is this men who are wanting to be good does this go back to our original theme of ignorance that's it man that's it other than other than like a few notorious men in history like hitler and things like that i've never met a guy that's just woke up and said i want to be evil no like, like i don't think no, I, I don't think hitler did yeah, I, wasn't a lot he? Of wasn't he? Didn't he think there was something with him in the church, like he was a choir in the choir, or yeah, yeah, oh something yeah, with that's, the Catholic Church. He was going to be a choir. He was a he was a altar boy or something. I don't know. altar boy. That's right. And wanted to be an artist. Like yeah, like, like wanted to provide. So beauty somehow to the world. he was ruined. Yeah. By um. Yeah. So um, yeah. This yeah. Is, so it goes back to that ignorance principle, man. It's not. It's not good men and bad men. It's it it's it's good men and men who 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 long to be good and they just haven't been shown away. You know what? And I'll tell you what this book also does. So I forgot to tell you this, but um, so I sent my my kids went through a at sixteen at thirteen they went through a rite of passage into manhood, and then at eighteen they went through a rite of passage into adulthood, and that is all one hundred percent inspired by Better Man, one hundred percent. The idea came from Better Man. That's where the idea came from. And then, listen, 20, 15 years later, we're putting together a men's weekend here in Oregon, a men's retreat uh, called Men in the Arena Men's Retreat. We'll have 400 guys. We can't fit any more. And we're doing a rite of passage, and that's all been inspired by Better Man. On, so, man. so Praise I mean, God. man, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Uh, from, a, from a personal level, uh, from a deep personal level, watching the impact of my own sons, and then just for what you're doing. So this is a... This would be a great book. Like, if you're going to take your kids through a rite of passage at 16, 13, 18, whatever you choose, that's great. But maybe when they're when they're little guys, you know, start them on that journey so that they can. Where can the guys pick this book up? Is this a, where do you get this? Yeah, betterman.com. Right okay. underneath. Yeah, yeah, right underneath our resource curriculum page. And there's another resource I want to put point our men to on your website, and I've got it on my library. Forgive me, I forgot the name of it. But it's a survey that you did between Christians, practicing Christian men and non-Christian men, and it is phenomenal, and it's a resource that you guys offer. Can you tell us about that? That's, that's the study we did with Barna, and basically it's five essentials in engaging um, really millennials, Gen Z, and Gen Alpha. So we're, we're, looking, um, we're looking at their worlds and the world we're living in. A lot of, a lot of men's ministries today— um, because they were started in the 80s or started in the 90s, they're still operating in those contexts. And and they they you you know God like like God bless my friends at Promise Keepers, bro. But I like I think the days of large scale like stadium gatherings is over. They're over. They're large scale gatherings online. That's that it's Netflix. YouTube like, channel. Get, yeah. Yeah, get on Netflix. Like, yeah. like that's how you reach. 
you know, so so what we did is is, is we're looking at the research and, and we're trying to help churches, practitioners, men's leaders. Man, this is how, you know, I'll never forget what um what John Ferguson, um, John Ferguson, he founded the New Thing Network. And he he said, Chris, if you give people a language and you give them a license, you can change the world. They need a language and a license. So, so what we did with the Barna study, what we did, what we do with every EPUB is we're trying to help practitioners. We're trying to give them a new language so that they can speak to millennials, Gen Z and Gen Alpha. And then we're giving them good practices. We're giving them that license to go and do. And, 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 and we basically unpack that. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the work that better man is doing because a lot of our older men, uh, and we're, I'm in that camp. We look at the younger guys and go, oh, they're this and they're this and that. But here's what we don't realize. We have a, us as older guys have a common denominator with the young guys. We all had to go through the bubble. We all had mm. to raise families and survive all that and, and come out with kids who love the Lord, kids who are intact, healthy, kids who aren't bitter towards their parents, marriages that are vibrant. And so we need to, as older guys, look at that younger generation and I, I hesitate to label them Z, Alpha, Millennial. I know that's what they are, but what they really are is they're men who are struggling through life in the bubble I came out of. Mm. And we just have to go mm. help those guys. Bro, you <laughs> talked about um, so you talked about revival earlier, right? So one of the verses that I keep going back to, I keep going back to is that it's that verse in Joel two. Yep. Yes, that that yes, old men will dream dreams again, and young men will have visions. Yep, young and and, and what that means is, and you know it, young men are going to gain this supernatural wisdom to be able to see forward, and the old men, men who didn't think they had anything left in the tank, they're going to dream dreams again, man. They're going to live again. I believe we're going to see revival happening. That's going to be at the center of it. You're going to see these 18 to 23-year-old on fire, godly, wise men, and they're spurring on older men that are going to dream a dream, dream again and run hard after King Jesus. And you're just going to see this wave of masculinity, bro. This is going to drown out any bit of, of unrighteousness and evil around us, bro. I'm I telling wait. you it's happening. I had a guy come up to me. He's 70 years old. He shared this th on three of my platforms publicly where he's a quiet 70-year-old who attends church and does nothing. And he said, I had a dream. I was walking in one of my old hunting areas, and I was walking with another person. I don't know who it was, but it was a man. And the man walked up to me by a, a tree in the shade, and under the tree were a bunch of dry bones. He said, man, I've I, didn't, I saw these bones. I didn't know what they were, but there was a wallet. He said, I picked up the wallet, and it was my wallet. Oh. And he goes, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. And he's, he, he literally did not know what it means. Oh. And he's like, I need an interpretation. I go, man, read the book of Ezekiel, bro. God gave you a dream according to Joel chapter 2. You have a dream. It says old men will dream dreams. God gave you a dream, and you've been an old, anonymous guy sitting in a pew all your life, and God's going to put you, he's going to put new flesh and bones, and your last 20 years on this planet are going to be better than your first 70 for Jesus because God is going to resurrect the dry bones. That's a true story, bro. That Come just on. happened. He just read his story to my men's service two weeks ago. But uh. this is happening, man. We're in the middle of revival. So just because a man is ignorant, just because 41% don't have dads does not mean that Father God can be that. 
That's right. I mean, it's coming, man. It's so cool to talk to you, Hart, because you see the same things I'm seeing, and I'm so glad that that men's ministry leaders are seeing the hope of the world coming back to defeat the two lies that Satan's been putting into our men, our young guys. Yeah. And man, that is so good, man. I I I just love this stuff. I love what you guys are doing. Your free resources. Uh, you guys are uh, continue to be a kingdom oriented organization. And man, I just couldn't. Whenever I hear guys saying. Oh, I'm using better man stuff. The first thing I do is go, dang. Then I go, cool. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, man, how about men in the arena next? You know, type of thing. Or, you know what I mean? Hey, let's have a little collaboration. Better man and the men in the arena. You know, type of thing. But I mean, I just love what you guys are doing. And it's just so fun to have you on, man. And, and, um, man, I just really want God to bless you. And hopefully we can get a bunch of guys buying these children's books uh, for come their kids. This is a lot better than give a mouse a cookie. I mean, come on, give a mouse a cookie. Good night, moon. I mean, those are great, but let's get a, get our kids a book they can really sink their teeth into. No, no pun intended. You know, with the give a mouse a cookie thing. That's right. <laughs> I love it. I love okay, it. Okay, man. So hey, let's do this, man. How can we push our guys to your stuff? Where do they man, go? You could, ch- yeah. Check first of all. Let me say, brother. So encouraged to be on here with you. Um, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. We meet. We meet a lot of like-minded people. Every now and then we get to meet like-hearted people and you're a like-hearted brother. And I just, I want to say that. I want you to know that. So thankful to be with you and, and we're going to keep running together for sure. Um, Betterman.com. Super easy. Betterman.com. You'll have access. We do, we do one or two blogs a week. Um, We've got a weekly podcast episodes drop every Monday. uh, The Better Man podcast. Uh, We don't do a ton on social media. Uh, but we do have a we do have an active Instagram and some other things like that. But we really live in that in that Vimeo YouTube podcast space, betterman.com. That's where all the resources are to get access to everything. Um, literally, again, there's no bait and switch. We're not going to give you three weeks and then charge you for seven weeks. Um, you create a leader login and then you have access to the entire backside of the website where you can get the EPUBs, you can get the curriculums, you can get the videos, you can start your own group, you can bring it to your church. We have group leader guides. We have group launch guides. Um, 80% of what we do uh, is happening online. Um, we don't even see the people we're actually interacting with, um, which, which again, is the way of 2023 and beyond. So uh, that's it's easy as that. For sure. Well, hey, man, here's what I have to say to you. 3,100 down, 359,000 to go. Come on. So let's let's get this done, man. God bless you. Have a yeah. great day, Harp. It's always great talking to you, brother. So guys, as you know, our man laws are supplied mostly by you. And when we use your man law, if you hit us up, we'll send you some swag just to say thank you. This is man law number 36 in my book, Man Laws. Our contributor is Nathaniel James, and he writes in, no matter what your wife says, your team can hear you through the television. So hey, I guess that means yell louder at the coaches. I mean, you Raiders fan, you do it all the time. So if you're a Raiders fan, you know, hey, maybe this is going to work for the Raiders this this game. So anyway, I'm just uh, talking smack to my oldest son who loves the Raiders. Life rule here, guys, is this. Maintain a healthy perspective and balance when it comes to sports. Hey guys, did you know that Men in the Arena is a crowdfunded, faith-based 501c3 that receives approximately 90% of our annual budget 
from our financial champions like you. As a nonprofit, we live on the financial edge every month. And guys, it's been rough in this economy, so I'd ask you to prayerfully consider becoming a monthly financial champion or offering up a one-time large gift. You can hit us up at Venmo at Men in the Arena. You can go to our website at menarena.org and uh, you can take it from there, guys. God bless you. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man.